Welcome to the podcast, the world of sports and the world around it. I'm your host, Henry Curry, a sports journalist that will be taking you to those exciting stories from athletes and others you won't hear anywhere else, giving you relatable and inspiring content for fans and non-sports fans alike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the podcast. I'm here with my guest, Nicole Luzak, who is a former member of the UCI women's volleyball team and also a graduate of the class of 2020. And Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show, uh, having someone like yourself that's very versatile and very multidimensional, you know, that a player that has that has played for Division One sports, that's gone through a very well-accredited university at UC Irvine. You've done so much in your own life beyond the volleyball court and everything. Um, but aside from that, how have you been throughout, you know, all these crazy times and everything? Uh, right now, Southern California, it looks like when you look outside, there's a, there's, a, there's a like an Instagram filter, you know, because of all the fires going on and everything. But aside from what the month of September has brought us in terms of that, how else have you been? Yeah, thank you so much, Henry, for having me. It's funny with these fires, it kind of just feels like, okay, here's the next thing. We got this. We've already been through a lot this year together. So um, uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's not not just to say I'm doing well. I really am. This year has not been easy for anyone. Um, someone said to me once, it's not that we're all in the same boat. It's that we all have our own boat that we're in. We're all going through our own thing, but we're all in the same storm. Um, or, or other way of saying it is we're all in the same boat, but we all have a different storm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to talk with you today. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad to, you know, bring a person like yourself on the show because, um, you're very, very, uh, vibrant person and you show, you you uh, really express a lot of positivity in yourself. And I really want to get into, you know, your personal story because it fits so well with everything that this podcast is trying to portray. Um, you played volleyball from 2016 to 2018 at UC Irvine. And in between those times, in those two, three years, how were you able to, you know, find yourself in a way throughout that time? Because being a college athlete, I understand it's very, very hard trying to juggle the season, preseason, practice, your social life, keeping up with your own family. So there's a lot of things that go to it that a lot of people who are not college athletes, you know, they don't really get. So from your perspective and your experiences, how did you go like about all that? Yeah, great question. I think that was something that I... I was really conscious of when I was coming into my college experience. I, I'm definitely one of those people who likes to study others and see what they do and then try and say, okay, how can I do that better? And when I was in high school, I saw a lot of people um, who were older than me who had gone through college who they didn't realize that eventually that ended or they were just ignoring that. And then they kind of have a, they have a crisis. It's not even a midlife crisis. It's the beginning of their life. And they are like, who the heck am I? Because they didn't spend any of their time figuring that out. And I really wanted to avoid that. I wanted to be able to walk out of my time in college saying, yeah, I, I did play volleyball. I gave it everything I could. I'm so proud of that. But here's who I am also. I have all these other things, not just of what I've done, but this is also who I am. Um, so that's been a priority for me of just exploring the other areas of my life and because I know that volleyball comes to an end. So, yeah. And when we talk about volleyball and being a college athlete and everything, we see the climate of literally the climate of what's 
how it looks outside, but I'm talking about the climate in general of how life is going for everybody right now. There's so many uncertainties in college sports. Um, UC Irvine is going through its own revitalization phase where they're still a little uncertain of how they're going to go with fall sports, water polo and everything. So if you were still in the volleyball team today trying to figure that out, I'm pretty sure you know teammates or friends that are going through that aspect right now. How is it for them? How is it going for them? You know, what insight can you give from that perspective? Because I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a little crazy to fathom if you don't mind answering that. Oh, yeah. Um, when you something I realized when I started playing was you give up your life kind of you're kind of handing over the keys um, when you sign on to play, especially division one, but I'll just say college sports in general. And you're told what to do. You're, you're kind of Pawn is the wrong word. You're not a pawn, but you just don't have as much control and you become very used to a routine. And so I have seen within girls I still know on the team and just thinking about how I would be, it is a big challenge not having that routine, not being able to be specifically told this is what's coming. Because um, we would normally have a very strict schedule and not having that is it's a, it's a real challenge, I would say. And I know you're out of that spectrum already, but if we wind back the clock, going back to your first year at UC Irvine, why UC Irvine? You're a, Stanford, you're a native of the San Fernando Valley. You're from Granada Hills. Uh, you went to Notre Dame High School. You're one of the best players there. A lot of things lead up to your decisions and where you want to play in college. So how did that come about? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, most people, we all kind of have circuitous routes onto how we – how we end up where we are. And that was definitely the case for me with Irvine. Um, I, so I'll have to take you back a little bit. I actually was given a full ride scholarship to play volleyball at UC Davis my sophomore year. Um, you might be familiar, might not be that on the women's side of the game, you, since women just develop more quickly than men do, we're recruited much more early on. It's not uncommon to, to be talking to colleges at age 13. And um, so when I was 14, I had already kind of signed my, my four years of college away to Davis. And it was the greatest accomplishment that me as a 14 year old could have ever asked for. My when, you, parents, when you were a freshman in high school? This was when I was a sophomore, the beginning sophomore. of my sophomore year. So that's how early you knew that you were gonna play for UC Davis? Yes, that's, uh, that's when all of that was happening. And Basically, I, you know, life has a funny way of changing things, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Was, yeah. That was not my path. And um, there, it's really common that coaches change. There's a huge turnover for coaching staff in the women's volleyball world. And so there was a coaching change. And that coach didn't honor the scholarship that I had because it was a verbal commitment. You're not allowed to formally sign until your senior year. Um, so that scholarship was taken away and I was completely crushed at the time because I had just spent a year and a half because by the time I lost it, this was my junior year, midway through my junior year. So I'd spent more than a year being like, I'm the greatest. This is amazing. I've, I've made it. I don't need to worry about colleges the way everyone else does. Um, and I felt so crushed to really have that taken away. And then 
had to be so humbled to have a conversation with myself and say, okay, everybody gets recruited early in women's volleyball. And so there are very few scholarships, if any, if I want to play at a good school, D1. And so it was a, it was a very challenging thing for me to swallow a lot of pride and say, okay, I am not going to go to a school, a UC that most people have heard of and be kind of told I'm given the world. I'll go to UC Irvine, who was interested in me and wanted me, but didn't even have a scholarship for me. So I had to walk on to UCI. And um, that's how I ended up there. It was really um, a leap of faith. I've just I don't know. I think I was blinded at that point and I was like, okay, I just don't even know what to do. I'm working my butt off to try and get re-recruited. This is the direction I need to go in, but it was I didn't know it was going to work out. I can tell you now that the the adversity of losing the scholarship was such an opportunity that happened for me <laughs> and just smile telling you like thank goodness this happened because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't have the life I have right now, which isn't sunshine and rainbows, but it is, I'm proud of the life I have now. And I wouldn't be who I am if all that hadn't happened. And that's actually something I was going to bring up because I feel like a lot of people lose themselves in the adversity and they don't try to take the positive out of it. So I wanted to ask you, would you, do you look at that point in your life and you look at it, obviously you told me right now, but I wanted you to reiterate it in a way where, you know, some people look at it and it's like, it's, it's the end, it's the end all be all and everything. But for you, you were able to realize like, if it wasn't for this closing, then all these other, other opportunities wouldn't have opened up. So do you wish that changed? Like, do you wish that UC Davis never took away that scholarship or at this point in your life, are you more content than you thought you would be? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When I first lost the scholarship and I was thinking to myself, okay, am I going to stop playing or am I going to just completely start over yeah. with recruiting, which is a grueling process. And I thought to myself, okay, you got to be two feet in. You can't be one foot in, one foot out. So I went all in for getting re-recruited, which was so hard because I just, I didn't even want to think about there being a future other than Davis. And um, what I can say about adversity <laughs> is really that, it doesn't happen overnight. There's not this kind of epiphany moment for me at least where I'm like, Oh, this is actually great. It's a process. It's a process of really walking through it. Um, so I would say it's, it's more, it's a process and it's an experience. And as you're walking through it, you slowly realize, okay, based off the choices that I'm making, well, the choices I'm making and what I believe to be my higher powers ability to redeem, I think these adverse situations can totally be redeeming. Um, and, and it was for me because I was patient and because I was willing to, willing to pivot and just completely unwilling to give up. Um, I am glad it happened. Really well, glad. From, from all the lessons that you've been able to learn, you know, after everything transpired um, during your tenure with the volleyball team, it lasted from 2016 to 2018, and you're a fellow graduate of the class of 2020, you know, a very uh, um, famous class that's, you know, later on we're going to look back and it's going to be very memorable for certain reasons. But just talk about that time frame, the 2016 through 2018. What type of adversity were you kind of dealing with in, by yourself as a student athlete, as a walk-on especially? You had to pivot 
to a new school, uh, completely new area, Orange County and the Davis area are very, very two different places. My sister graduated from UC Davis. So every time I go up there, you know, there's a bunch of cows and stuff. Um, and I know the culture is um, completely different to Orange County and Newport Beach. So how are you able to adjust yourself to a new mindset? I mean, cause your mind was already fixated on, I'm going to Davis. So now shift it back to SoCal, but Orange County is a little different than the Los Angeles area. So how are you able to, you know, adjust yourself to have the best experience possible, regardless of the adversities that came with it? Mm -hmm. um, really, I think it became, for me, almost an addiction to the growth mindset and wanting just so badly to grow and knowing that if I was willing to keep growing, that I could find a reason to be there. I could find more out about myself. Um, when I was going to Davis, I was planning on being a journalism major. And like you said, being in a totally rural area and then coming to UCI, I ended up completely pivoting and doing business instead in a great area to be doing business where there's a ton of connections. Um, and so I started to just get excited, realizing, okay, wait, there's, there's actually more out there. There's not one path. As long as I'm open-minded and completely willing to grow and honestly be really uncomfortable too, you have to almost enjoy discomfort, which is a huge thing in being an athlete and having an athlete mentality. It's almost like enjoyment of putting your body in uncomfortable situations and your mind. Um, that's what it was. It was all an exercise in, in getting comfortable with discomfort. Um, saying that, especially because I know you're really good at that. You've been able to uh, prosper during these times, especially, um, which a lot of people have difficulty with, which there's absolutely totally understandable because of everything that's going on. But when you talk about that athlete mindset, I know it transpires on the court whenever you're on playing volleyball, whatever you're trying to do for your team during a game, during regulation. But how did that translate to your life in general? Because a lot of people want to take the lessons that they take from their own game and then just apply it to everything else, whether it be class, work, relationships. How are you able to do that um, on your own account? For me, I, or probably for everyone, I think sports is just such a beautiful metaphor for life. It's almost like practicing life. Um, you're choosing to do the hardest thing in your day, which is so empowering. It's like, okay, if the hardest thing I'm gonna do today is four hours in the gym, that's so great because then everything after that feels easy because I chose to do something hard. And that's really the way that I, I look at life now is that I feel totally confident approaching most things in life because it's like, okay, I, I already know, I, I have a total toolkit of, adversity and not even adver there's totally adversity in the sport but there's also just amazing things about it too and total empowerment that comes out of it um that gives you a real confidence in day-to-day -day life it something that i loved in sports was that there's something so invigorating about really figuring out where your limit is and not only figuring out where it is but seeing almost every time how much further away it was than you thought. You thought like, okay, no, 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 the limit's here, but then you get there and you think, oh wait, no, I can go way further than that. And that is just the coolest feeling and why I think so many people thrive as a result of sports is because 
they just realize that their potential and what their strength is and where their limits are is just so beyond what they first thought. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up because there's a lot of college athletes that I've been able to interview that unfortunately they can't have the same perspective as you, that the only thing they do know is their sport. And when it comes to life after their sport, it's a little, it becomes a little difficult for them. But going back to that time frame in your tenure, 2018 was your stop time, but you still had, you know, some time left at UC Irvine. So what, what happened? Like what happened there? Did you have not, like you said, like not one of those overnight epiphanies, but did something happen in your mind or throughout that time that made you decide to walk away from the sport because you saw there was other things going on in your life and everything, or what was it exactly? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm definitely not someone who has been a quitter in my life. So the thought of leaving the sport was, I, it was just an abhorrent idea in my mind at first. It was, it took a process for me to really decide what I was going to do. But basically, the same tenacity and um, I would say grit and self-discipline that I needed in crisis mode of me not having UC Davis anymore and coming to UCI, all of those, that kind of thought process that got me to where I wanted to be and was helping me achieve my dream of being a Division One athlete, it's helpful in, in the crisis, but it's supposed to be a temporary thought process. And then once you're out of crisis and you're just doing it, sometimes we don't realize that those thought processes that were once helping us are no longer serving us. And that's really what happened for me. I, um, I really noticed during my junior year specifically, that was my last season, I realized, oh my gosh, my performance is entirely entangled within my self-worth because of the thought process I needed to get me there. It just became so performance driven. Um, and that wasn't healthy because if I wasn't performing well, then in my mind, it was, it was a reflection of my self-worth, which was so not true. And during my sophomore and junior year, I was kind of dipping my toe in the water of other things. I got involved in Athletes in Action on campus um, and a leadership program at the business school where I had a ton of, of really cool, interesting speaking opportunities I had. And I thought, oh my gosh, wow, there's these other parts of myself that are coming alive. And I'm discovering, okay, I'm not just a volleyball player. So those felt healthy, those decisions and those paths. And I thought, okay, I need to disentangle my performance from my self-worth and really walk down, walk down this healthier path. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't, okay, this sport is too hard. It wasn't, oh my gosh, I don't like my coaches or the program. Um, the coaches and the program are imperfect, but just as I am. So I didn't fault that. It was really all of a sudden my path was moving in a different direction than where the team needed to go, yeah. this healthier path for me. And I couldn't write, I couldn't in my um, like right mind and right consciousness still be a part of the team when I knew I couldn't um, fully give what you're being asked of. Was the walking away process, well, I wouldn't really necessarily call it walking away, but was the, the decision to leave volleyball, did you find it a little easier at that point for you? I believe it was, it, again, a process of really 
getting comfortable with it in my own mind. Because when you're on the D1 level, it is your life. It's completely your life. And so walking away from that was, it didn't just change four hours of my day. It changed everything. And um, so I really was conscious and mindful and intentional about putting the systems in place to really kind of catch me as I walked into this new thing. I didn't want to just walk into the great unknown and then realize, oh my gosh, the grass isn't greener over here. I, I really was intentional about doing it slowly and making sure I had conversations with the right people to help me and then also had the right conversations to help my teammates so that, um, those bridges weren't burned because those of course were, were such important relationships to me too. So I feel like the most event or the most important points in volleyball for you came when adversity came, you know, it's, it kind of turned to a huge positive for you when it came to UC Davis, you know, it was a negative at first at the moment, but so many good things came out of it. And then when you um, decided to walk away from playing volleyball at UC Irvine, you found yourself to be much more than a volleyball player. And if, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for that, do you think you'd be able to find that same person or that same multidimensional characteristics that you've been able to encounter if it weren't for you leaving, uh, leaving volleyball? Uh, I think that the adversity completely shaped me in both circumstances. I don't know. I mean, of course, you never know. But I can't imagine being who I am now had I not gone through that gone through situations like that um we learn the most when things don't go right um and and that was completely true for me it really was and it's funny because now your life after volleyball i feel like you've completely shifted your focus to also helping others because you are very popular on linkedin uh you're someone that's uh, always popping up on the timeline and everything uh but you decided to start writing articles and start posting them and really just bring a message out to people that you had in your thoughts and everything. And I know you've been a good writer because like you said, you want to go in as a journalism major at UC Davis, switch to business admin. But as, as I recall, you took a journalism class and I was able to read some of your work and I knew you had, a, you had an eye to you know, keep, put your ideas just on paper and somehow translate it into something meaningful. Can you talk about the work you've been doing um, on LinkedIn and trying to be that source of empowerment? Because in reality, you kind of were like whenever you did pop up, a lot of people reacted to um, what you had to say so positively. So what kind of inspired you the most in order to do that, especially during a time like this? Yeah, so that has been a really crazy fun roller coaster. LinkedIn was not at all um, something that I thought was going to be my uh, like playground during quarantine, but it really has become that. Um, and I think your question is twofold. It's kind of what what motivated me to to want to write like this, and then what was the catalyst that actually made me do it? Because um, for me, they're two different things, and for me. My motivation to help people stems completely from my brother. Um, unfortunately, I lost my older brother last March, March of 2019, um, to a suicide, which I will say also with lack of emotion is not, not because of lack of pain. Um, that's just been an incredibly excruciating process to walk through over the last year and a half. 
But through that experience, um, a way that I've been able to find meaning out of something that feels just so meaningless and like there's no reason for something like that to ever happen to anyone or their family um, has really been to turn my life to service and to for me I just feel like my transformative purpose is to show other people that they're not alone um, because I felt that that was that was what drove my brother to make the decisions that he did and so I thought okay how in the world can I make this or use use what I have now in me um, to help other people. And um, it's 100% true in my life that your greatest strengths sit right next to your greatest wounds. And my greatest strength really is to show other people you're not alone and that's why. And um, I won't write something if, uh, if I don't believe that, that it's something that I'm going through or that I've been through or that I'm mulling over as a thought. And I saw people on LinkedIn when I was going through my job search and trying to re reignite my um, employment status after losing my job because of COVID. Um, and I thought I need to take the attention away from me. I'm in this spiral of, of thoughts about myself. How can I use what's happening to me, which was not great in March and April, um, to really reach out to other people and say, you are not alone. And yeah, I was going to ask that actually, when did you decide to start, you know, that aspect of your life? Was it right when the quarantine started or was it halfway through? When did you really like blast off on all that? Yes. So there definitely was a bit of a pause. What I've realized is that um, people before in the past have asked me when I'm in the midst or just the moment, the first moments of, of adversity happening, they're like, oh my gosh, you should really share this with other people. It'll help them. And in my thought, I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in the very beginning stages of, of, of trying to figure out how to navigate this. And so I think for everybody, there's a period, a pause period where you need to process a bit before you can invite the whole world, I mean, through LinkedIn or social media and things like that into it. So for me, there was a couple months, probably about four months before I really started writing. Um, and then the catalyst for me was actually a sit down with a friend of mine uh, where I said, I feel like COVID has really robbed me of my sense of purpose because all of my strengths that I identified within myself and in different kind of strengths finder tests that are so popular nowadays, I would always get very performance driven types of strengths that I had and or, or outcome related. And I, you know, when COVID hit, people weren't really able to do anything. We kind of had to sit in it in March. And this friend of mine said, you need to sit down and write down the things that are just natural and innate about you that make you Nicole, that no one can take away. And uh, that was transformative for me because it became empowering to realize that I had so many strengths that were really related to writing and connecting with people um, that I could utilize during this time when so much was being taken from everyone um, in, uh, that was about their day-to-day -day life. You know, this was, these were things that no one could take and nothing could take. You seem to keep finding new things about yourself in such a short amount of time. Um, that seemed to be a great theme in your life. You know, things come your way in the most unexpected turn, but some way, somehow, you've been able to make the most out of it. And it's difficult. It is very, very difficult to do. I'm, I love to look at myself as a person to be able to do that as well. But 
things do get hard and I know not everybody can do that, but just coming from all your experiences, do you feel like the pandemic somehow helped shape you even more as a person? Because there's a lot of people out there that gave up on this year. And what type of hope did you give yourself in order to make it like this is the year, you know? I don't want to wait till next year because this is the year. What did you do? Mm -hmm. uh, I experienced a lot of friends as well just saying, okay, we're writing off 2020. And that was crazy to me. I mean, I think we all, we all had our own situation. And so there's no judgment on what really other people's decisions were on that. But for me, I thought, okay, you can't take that route. You don't have six months or a year to just write off. Yeah. Um, it, this year completely shaped me because I chose to say that every day is still going to be meaningful if I want it to be. And, and I asked myself really early on, I said, who do you want to be right now when your back's up against the wall and things are not going right at all? There's a lot of loss on top of a, a year kind of where you were already feeling a little fatigued and just looking for a little bit of rest. It's like, okay, let's, let's pivot. It's not time for that now. It's time to figure out who you want to be when the adversity really comes. And, um, and the cool thing was, is that I knew who I wanted to be. It, that doesn't mean it was easy though. It definitely wasn't. So it's, it's difficult becoming, going from that cocoon to a butterfly type of transition. It's a process. It's a huge process. Yes, it is. Um, but for you, you seem to have kind of shortened that aspect. I'm not saying like it was easy for you, but somehow you found a way to make everything around your life work out for you regardless of adversity um there's a lot of people that do fold and nicole just um hearing just your experiences and your story i can tell from you that you are a very resilient person not just as a volleyball player but just as a person in general but when it comes back to volleyball when you look back at those experiences and you look at a 17 18 year old nicole now to a I'm pretty sure a fully grown, like more mature version of yourself that you look at. Um, what advice would you give your old self, the one that was just about to enter UC Irvine? What's something that you would tell yourself that you wish you knew? I like the way you worded that because there are things that I wish I, I guess, knew going in, but nothing I would do differently, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Something that I really realized during my time there um, that helped me a lot to be resilient and to thrive through the experience of, I mean, just even if you're not going through other adversity, being on the team is hard. So uh, to get through all of it, I wanted, I would have had a conversation with myself to say, focus on playing for something more than the game itself, because I think a lot of athletes come into the sport with this kind of preconceived notion or misunderstanding that if you love the game, that's going to fuel you. And I can tell you from very, from very early on, maybe even your first season, day seven of double days, you're in the August heat in an air-conditioned gym, or you're getting up at the crack of dawn while all the other college students are sleeping in until noon because they just partied the night before or for the past week, you're going to be like, okay, I really don't love this anymore. And you're going to feel miserable unless you're playing for something more. And so for me, it was becoming very intimate 
with the um, with the feeling of wanting the grind, wanting the discomfort, being so excited about the the growth um, of myself and of my teammates. Um, and I think just focusing on that, that is what really fueled me. And um, I think there was a bit of a learning curve for me on that, where I was like, whoa, 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 what the heck did I sign up for? And I hope that other athletes in their beginning stages can know that, that just fight for something more, play for something more, play against the the person that you were yesterday and try to beat that person and make that the the goal because you can't control wins and losses the way that you think you can if you're on a team sport. So there has to be more. Yeah, because the way your college or your college career playing volleyball played out, um, it was it's different than what I've seen usually because I feel like, or personally, I've encountered athletes at UC Irvine and other schools that have extended their time with the team, being a, a grad student on the team or redshirting or doing anything else to give themselves that extended period of time, but you shortened it. So I found that very interesting, especially playing division one. There's a lot of people that do want to play division one sports, but I don't think they're fully aware with what comes with it as well. Um, it's a lot of hardship and it's a lot of sacrifice because I have a friend who's on the water polo team and she was telling me about her practices at 4 a.m. every single day. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, you're right about the aspect of there's just so many other college students um, waking up at dawn, you know, partying the, the night before. And it's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody has the everybody has the ability to do what they want with their lives and everything. But I think you really put it into picture how hard it is for to be a general college athlete um, representing the team, not just on the field, but on campus you guys are always wearing your gear you guys are um you know a unit going around um but just finding yourself after volleyball now we fast forward to now how do you look at yourself now compared to back then in terms of the maturity level and that mental growth aspect yeah um I love the opportunity to comment on that because it's like oh man I don't want to make it seem like it's all bad because it's 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 hard, but it's so good. It's so transformative. I loved your um, your example or metaphor of the butterfly earlier. You've probably seen on my LinkedIn that I do use a butterfly um, <laughs> after my name because I'm. I just love the transformative process of growth, and the butterfly really is a symbolization or representation of that. Um, so, oh my gosh, I just, I just. I'm such a more powerful, um, powerful in the sense that I know who I am and I'm confident in my abilities. Um, and even if it's something I haven't experienced before, the, the confidence to know that you're equipped to deal with something new is a real strength that made me so grateful for volleyball. Um, there was absolutely no regrets in playing for the team. I'm so grateful that I had the privilege of representing UCI that is, we are talked to very explicitly about how that is a huge privilege, and I took that seriously. Um, just, yeah, you do go through a transformation for sure from being a child walking in and then kind of walking out however long your time is and saying, okay, this time was meaningful because I've grown so much. And we've hit on so many topics we hit on your, your growth as a player, your growth as an individual. But Nicole, what have you always been wanting to talk about aside from just this 
you have you are a person with so much experience that I know your mind runs a mile a minute, probably, you know, with everything that's going on. But Nicole, if there's anything that you have been wanting to say, trying to find the opportunity opportunity to do so, what what would that be? I believe um, when I'm looking on social media right now in our social climate and kind of what's trending or cool to do for people our age, um, I see a lot of pointing fingers. I see a lot of um, almost like fetishization of victimhood. And I think that there are real victims in the world. And um, But I also believe that there is something to be said about taking ownership of your own life. And I think when you were commenting on me and making it seem like, oh, I've, I've overcome all these different things, um, one, it hasn't been without trying, and it hasn't been without major struggle throughout all of it, but it, all of those, the theme is really me knowing that no one else was going to fix my life for me, or not even fix it, but just give me a good life, that that was 100% up to me and the choices I was going to make, and that a good life doesn't mean there's no adversity or there's no trials, because you're going to have a really boring life. You're never going to grow if bad things don't happen. So it's really just take risks, be willing to fail a lot, but then every single time know that it's your responsibility to make the life that you want. And um, yeah, that's a big part of my message. Do you feel like you kind of stray away from the whole aspect of comparing yourself to someone else? because a lot of people too do tend to do that. And I feel like that falls within the social media culture. Um, like you said, there's a lot of pointy fingers. And I heard that from another friend. I feel like social media gives you the aspect, especially as a young 20 year old, that your life needs to be figured out before the age of 25. And if, if that's not the case, then you went wrong in life completely. But I love that aspect that you just gave because for anybody that needs to hear that, remember your life is not done before 25 if you haven't gone to where you want to be yet prime example right here <laughs> but um so social media plays a factor into how you look at things um positively because of all the things you can take out from it but aside from social media you know playing a a factor in that what else has kind of played a factor in just that, that butterfly aspect <laughs> that butterfly that you ended up becoming right now um Let's see. I think, I think what has helped a lot for me is other people's willingness to start sharing. Um, it's made me really see that that's an area where I can give and share too, because um, there's only so much good that can come from your own growth if you're not helping other people along the way. And I saw that it is starting to become more prevalent that other people are willing to say, I'm not going to give you the highlight reel. I'm going to give you the process that it took me to get to this place. And it wasn't easy um, because we all love the story of the 21-year-old, the 22-year-old, the 25-year-old who's telling you, you can have your passion too. Look at me. I did it in X amount of months or years. Um, there's so much pressure in that. And I think being way more willing to be vulnerable and talk about the losses and talk about the process, um, that helped me to just take away so much judgment that I was giving myself. I'm a hugely ambitious person and I was somebody who was looking, 
on social media and comparing and saying, okay, how the heck do I do that myself? And then now understanding that um, it's really a journey. And then the faster you get things, the sooner you can lose them too. So um, I don't, the successes that I get or, or the things I achieve, I don't want to lose. So I'd rather really put in the work and um, go through the hard stuff to get them. Um, so yeah, that's been a big part of the, the, the transformation for me. It's just being real about that. So, and I appreciate you being as real as possible because we live in a world where it's two-sided, you know, you're either as real as you possibly can be and then you encounter people that won't be on that same page as you. And I'm pretty sure you've probably encountered those type of people in your life. I feel like we all do. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that to, you know, slander anybody, but we all meet people that we are on the same page with and that we're not. And it can go both sides that it hurts you or helps you. But now looking at 2020 and now looking that you just got your full-time position again, um, you're about to start, when is it, next week? Next Monday, yes. Next Monday. So next Monday, you start your actual full adulthood, just post-college and everything. How excited are you to be at that point and to get to that point in the most difficult time possible? And when I say difficult, I'm talking about a job market that's upside down, and we're talking about a world that's just completely upside down. So how excited are you for that? I'm incredibly excited. I think a huge athlete, um, I, I don't want to say problem, but for lack of a better word, kind of a problem that a lot of athletes have is that they are satisfied with a kind of perpetual state of dissatisfaction um, because you always know you can do better. You always know you can be better. And so we forget to really savor and enjoy these, um, the surmounting of a mountain and getting to uh, the place that you were working so hard to get to. And so what I really learned from being out of the sports world for a, a little while now is to kind of actually really enjoy that and to sit in it and to know that um, that your success does not define you, but you can, you can pause and really enjoy it before moving on because you need the fuel. You need those moments where things work out to fuel you because there's going to be another moment around the corner where things feel really trying and it's going to get really hard. And if you haven't kind of stocked up, on the successes and the wins and the feeling that you can do it. You're, gonna, you're running on empty when you encounter the next thing. Um, you're, you're gonna be not serving yourself well. So I do feel excited and I do feel um, just ready to jump into the next chapter. Do you feel like you're more prepared now compared to six months ago? Oh yeah, I definitely do. I, I, when this, when I lost my job or when my role was rescinded as a result of COVID back in March, I was like, what the heck could the purpose of this be? It's like a senseless thing by this crazy virus. Um, but now looking back, I can really see that I do feel like I'm coming into it as a bit of a different person, not entirely different, but way more equipped, way more willing, um, willing to pivot, able to thrive under uncertainty and um, much more aware that our plans are kind of like, they're kind of a direction that we wanna move in, but we shouldn't give them so much credibility because I think oftentimes for me as a planner, I've thought that my plans are reality already. 
but they're not. They're not a sure thing. And so I know that now going into this next chapter of life that I can't rely on plans the way that I had been before. So I feel like, I feel like now because you did make it to that almost impossible job market to get to, do you feel like, let's say, moving on to 2021, 2022, and just the years afterwards, just after this whole episode of, of, a, of a life we're having right now, do you feel like you're going to look back and be like, damn, if I can get through that, I can get through whatever's coming afterwards. Do you feel like you're in that position or do you feel like you still need to experience a lot more in your life to get to that point? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because what I do know about life is that there's the only sure thing is change. And with that comes new challenges. So I have no idea what what's in store for me ahead. I know there's definitely a good mix of both, both trying, challenging, painful, frustrating, angering things that are in my future. Um, but I do feel extremely equipped, not just from the job loss, but from all of these experiences, um, things that we've discussed, things that have been brought up in this conversation, and then just even countless others. I feel, I feel equipped. And um, I also know that you can rise to the occasion so much more than you think you can. There's going to be something for sure that's going to be hard. But um, I'm confident that from my track record and with everything that's gone on, not that I can get through it by myself, um, but that I, I have a, a support system and tools to get through it. Nicole, in the final stretch of everything, I'm going to leave the floor open to you. I know I already gave you the opportunity of just speaking your mind, but you have a lot in that mind that's been through a lot. So anything else you want to tell the viewers, the audience, tell the world that's listening that Nicole Luzak can only say? Um, sure. I think in my writing and uh, in my conversations with, with everyone I'm having, my message is the same. The words are different, but the message is really the same for me. Um, it is always that you are not alone and that you matter so much and that each person is worth, um, worth the work of getting to know and getting to understand. Um, and that's really my message. It's that, you know, life is not without trials, but it is beautiful and it is always worth living. Um, and that's, that's really, that's always going to be my, my message. And that's what I would want to share with other people. I'm pretty sure everybody's going to appreciate that message, especially during a time like this, everybody needs to hear that even for people that think they're as independent as they possibly can be. I think at the end of the day, we all need that little reassurance that at the end of the day, everything's going to be all right. And that essentially, I feel like we're all in the same boat. What was that line you used in the beginning? Uh, we're all, um, it's either we're all in the same storm in different boats or we're all in different boats in the same storm. I, either way, it makes sense to me. And I'm pretty sure people are going to get that. But Nicole, thank you so much for being a part of my show. Before I let you go, you want to give a quick shout out to anybody and by anybody i mean go crazy <laughs> oh my gosh um with what you were saying about us all being we can't get through things alone that's totally true i could probably pull up a list of maybe 50 people who have just really helped me through a lot of different points in my life so 
this that that list could go on and on. Um, I want to thank you totally for creating a space for people to have conversations about sport, but then so much far beyond farther beyond sport. There's so much more. There's so much that we can all kind of we can all relate on the sports level, but then from there branch out. And I appreciate that you create a space to do that. So thank you. Um, you know, thank you to, to UCI. Thank you to the coach that, that took away the scholarship and gave me the opportunity to, to just chart a different path. I'm really grateful for that. So, so that's going to be my thanks for right now. No, that's good. Um, so UC Davis coach, if you're listening to this, <laughs> thank you from Nicole because you changed her life for the positive, but Nicole, Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate having someone like you because as this podcast is about, there are so much more to sports that go way beyond that people need to know. You are the embodiment of that with your experiences, with your brightness, and someone who's just going to generally go far in life because they can see that far ahead into the future. We appreciate people like you, but thank you so much again. And everybody that's listening, remember if you're coming to listen to sports talk and everything in statistics and numbers this isn't the place for you because this goes way beyond that this is a sports show that goes beyond those type of things that goes beyond the quantifications of what someone can do because we all know we're a lot more capable than that and we all know there's a lot more going on in the world than just sports and this is the podcast just for that thank you for listening